Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go over and start tonight in Genesis chapter 1, or chapter uh, 3, excuse me. And uh, I'm going to talk about words and authority. And, uh, you know, uh, there was a series that we ministered some time ago, a little short series called Exercising Our Authority. 21, 21 sermons. Amen. But uh, uh, my point in saying that is, of course, the Bible's expanding revelation. And, and, and you get light on a certain thing, and you never want to just think that's all the light there is. There's more to see in the Word concerning that subject. And uh, that, that's the danger. That's the, that's the danger in the local church, and it's the danger uh, just as a believer is when, uh, for instance, I heard this uh, story years ago uh, from several different people people that I, that I know personally and that I, I have great respect for, and they made the statement that toward the end of Brother Hagin's ministry, his earthly life, that uh, they would talk to people that used to come to all the meetings, and they'd say, hey, I haven't seen you for a couple years, and uh, you know, what's going on? And they would make this statement, well, all Brother Hagin does, he just preaches the same thing now. He's just preaching the same thing. You know, all he does is tell stories and preach on Mark 11. Well, see, that proves something. They thought they had gotten all the light there was to get. And Brother Hagin himself said that he would be preaching and he would make this statement. Well, there's more I could say there, but you're not ready. Remember Paul talking about Melchizedek? And he said, there's a lot more to say about Melchizedek, but you're not ready to hear it. Man, when I read that scripture, every time I read that in Hebrews, I want to say, please, tell me more about this. Well, the point is, is so when we hear words and authority, right, I've, I've, I've endeavored over the last two and a half, three years now to, to get us to focus that words are not just negative and positive. Words are carriers of our authority. You have whatever you say, right? If I say it, I'm going to get it. And uh, so in, in Genesis chapter 3, we're going to see something. And uh, verse 1, the, now the serpent was more subtle. The, the, the word means crafty, all right, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said, and he said the serpent said, now notice, let's, let's, let's look at this just for the sake of our teaching. And he said, unto the woman has God said yea has God said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden and the woman said unto the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God has said you shall not eat of it neither shall you touch it lest you die and the serpent said unto the woman you shall not surely die for God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. 
Now here's, here's what, a point that I want you to see. Notice that after he said, there's no more she said. The devil out-talked her. He got the last word. The devil loves to talk. He, he loves to talk. And the more you... See, what he says can have no power over you if you don't authorize it. And you authorize it two ways. By believing it and not answering it. If I believe what he said, I empower it. If I repeat what he said, I give it authority. I've got a number one, count it for what it is, a lie, and then I have to answer it. Because words, all words are spirit. They're, they're, they cannot die, they have to be replaced. And that's why, for instance, when you see people maybe in a family, and uh, uh, generation after generation after generation, they'll say, make statements like this, well, all the men in our, in our family are that way. All the men are like that. All the men are like that. Well, then every child that's born, every male that is born, those words are standing there waiting in the delivery room to make that boy just like all the males in that family. And, and people, have, people have mistaught it and called it a generational curse, and it's not a generational curse. It's words that were spoken over that child all, all those years, and the enemy was able to get in there. He loves to talk. He came and what he said was not that far off. Has God said that you shouldn't eat of all the trees of the garden? But notice what he said. His words twisted it just enough that it made her pause. And then he got in the last word. Never let the devil have the last word. Why? Because first words matter and last words stand. Amen? It, it matters what you say when something occurs, and it matters that you keep saying it. Amen. Now, in, uh, in Isaiah 36, I'll show you this principle again, if I may. The devil, the enemy, enjoys speaking. Because he knows the power of words. Charles Capps used to say this. He would say, words are the most powerful thing in the universe. And they are. And, and the reason is they created the universe. Amen. In Isaiah 36, uh, and uh, let's start here in verse 13. This is when the Assyrians surrounded Judah, surrounded Hezekiah, and they sent this man, Rabshakeh, and it says, Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language, and said, Hear ye the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you. Neither let Hezekiah make you to trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will del surely deliver us. This city shall not be delivered into the hand of the... This, saying, This city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Syria. Verse 18. Beware, lest Hezekiah persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. 
Has any of the gods of the nation delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? The enemy loves to talk. He loves to talk. And notice what he's saying. He says, don't let Hezekiah deceive you and tell you God's going to deliver you. Isn't that interesting? He still does that today. Well, you know, God bless so-and-so, but I mean, after all, you know, your job's different. Amen. I'm going to pick on James. I got James Alexander here, and y'all know what James does. James, James drives cab. Amen. <laughs> you know, they're flying empty airplanes in the Little Rock Airport. Yes, sir. And this man's thriving. Because the flight crews are specifically requesting him. Praise God. Yes, Am I right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. And, and, and you can ask him if you want. He was telling me some of the numbers uh, that he was making. And I thought, my God, driving cab? <laughs> Amen. It's the blessing. Yes. Amen. But, but he keeps his words out there. Yes, the enemy wants to talk. This man came and he said, don't. Don't let him deceive you. Anytime the enemy comes and says, well, don't you get your hopes up. Get them up. Get them way up because he's trying to stop something from coming into your life. And he's got to use words to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. (coughs) Then in chapter 37, Hezekiah sent men to Isaiah. Verse 5, so the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall you say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Be not afraid of the words that you have heard. Notice he didn't say, Don't be afraid of the king. Don't be afraid of the army. He said, Don't be afraid of the words that you heard. If the words cannot move you, it doesn't matter who's behind them. Amen? No, no matter how it looks, if the words can't move you, it doesn't matter who's saying them. And he said, don't be afraid of the words. And then he said, because I'll send a blast upon him, he'll hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I'll cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. But notice, the enemy's not done. Verse 10, thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Let not your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. So he's he's got a word from God. Don't be afraid of these words. And then here come more words. Because the enemy loves to talk. But notice, Hezekiah, verse 14, received that letter, went up into the house of the Lord, spread it before the Lord, and, and, and you can read it all. I'm not going to take the time to read it all. But prayed and sought the Lord. And notice, then he gets another word. Verse 33. Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shields or cast a bank about it. By the way he came, the same shall he return, 
and shall not come into this city, says the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and David's sake. Then the angel of the Lord went forth and smote in the camp of the Syrians 185,000 men. And when they rose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. Hezekiah did not let the enemy get the last word. Amen. He got and and it and it shook him and it and it and it and it 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 bothered him, but he went to God. And God said, This is how it's gonna be. Not only will he not cast a bank against this city, he won't even shoot an arrow in it. The way he came is the way he's going back. I'm telling you, the path the enemy beat to your door, he's going to have to beat it back wherever he came from because he's not going to get the last word. Hallelujah. Amen. See, the enemy loves to talk. And uh, the Lord said to me concerning authority, he said that uh, there were three things that were vital to understanding authority. And the very first one he dealt with me about was understand that authority is carried in words. And we made this statement over the, the, the months and the years, but it's this, that your words were not designed uh, solely for communication. They were designed to carry authority and dominion. Hallelujah. And uh, in Matthew 8 is where we'll, look, we'll begin to look at some things. See, the importance of saying what God said out of your mouth is you're adding your authority to it for your life. I can say to you what the Lord said, but until you say it, you're not taking ownership of it. I've got to own it, right? I, I, I talk to the staff at times in staff meetings, and I'll say that ownership is so important where a ministry is concerned because this you can't just look at this as my ministry. This has got to be your ministry. You've got to own it, right? Because then you'll treat it like your own. When you are saying something, that's a word from God to you. I own it. Amen. Amen. And so when the Lord says it's the year of expectation, manifestation, and transformation, that I own that. Amen. When he said in the word that he gave, and, and he did say it, he said in 2020, those that will stand on the word will receive results from the word like they never have before, and a manifestation of the word. I own that. Why? Because I'm saying that. That's what's, mount, that's what's standing around our houses is an expectation that we're going to see a manifestation of the Word like never before. Why? Because we're, 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 we're owning it. We're declaring it. Amen. Does that make sense? Makes faith anyway, doesn't it? Glory to God. So when, when I own something, when I say it, I'm owning it. I'm taking ownership of it. Amen. In Matthew 8, verse 5. <clears throat> and when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came to him a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Now, 
One translation says that he was on his deathbed. And Jesus said to him, I will come heal him. The centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Now hang on right there and understand something. Somebody speaking the word is not necessarily going to change your situation if you don't believe the word that's being spoken. This man already had settled it. If you will speak the word only, my servant will be healed. Right? He already settled it. But before, before Jesus, he, his mindset was, if I can just get him to speak the word. Right? Amen. And he said, for. Notice the word for. Conjunction, right? It's putting these two thoughts together. I am a man under authority. Mm. In other words, I understand this exercise of authority. And notice what he said. Here's what I've understood. I say to this, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he doeth it. Right? And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And then he goes on and it says in verse 13, Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so be it done unto you. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. So this guy goes from on his deathbed to in an hour being healed. Because of the word of authority. Amen. The, the level of faith that you place in the authority in your words speaks volumes about how quickly things can change in your life. Amen. If I have a little bit of faith in the authority that I possess, I'll move something a little bit. But if, but if I'm solidly convinced that I will have whatever I say, nothing can stand in my way. Jesus said mountains couldn't stand in your way. Jesus said trees couldn't stand in your way. Jesus said problems couldn't stand in your way. He said, if you will just believe that you have the authority in your words to move that mountain, that mountain will move. One translation said that mountain will go jump in the lake. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, now this is so important because no, under, look what he said. He said, I'm a man under authority. Charles Capp said this, the Lord told him, he said, if my people understood authority the way this man understand, understood authority, they could have the same kind of faith he had. Because it comes back to an understanding of authority. And, and the authority in the words that we release. Notice, he knew that the, what Jesus said would come to pass because he understood that authority was carried in words. I, notice what he said. He said, I say to this man, go. And he goes. I say to another, come. And he comes. To, a, to another, go. And he goes. He understood that I'm not grabbing that person and making them do something. I'm moving them with my words. Amen. Words are attractants. And words are... Uh, 
repellers. You have the authority to attract through words and you have the authority to repel through words. What you tell to go, goes, and what you tell to come, comes. What you tell to stop working, stops working. Amen. Do you see that? When you say out of your mouth and you say, devil, you stop that in Jesus' name. It's done. We could put that there and not hurt that scripture. I tell the devil to stop and he stops. Or whatever the case may be. Amen. So when I have faith in the authority that I possess. See, years ago when Leroy Thompson was teaching that revelation, he called it a prophetical revelation. Prophetical revelation. When he was teaching that revelation on money cometh, God gave him a specific way to do it. But it was nothing more than Isaiah 45, command ye me concerning the works of my hands. That's, that's what it was. Money, you come to me now. And people took it and got all squirrely with it, but Leroy never got squirrely with it. It was a revelation that changed our life. Yes, sir. Changed our life. And it wasn't even just money coming. It was him saying, you need to stand up and say, I'll never be broke another day in my life. And I really believe that it was at that moment where our finances were concerned, that was the first words that I ever really spoke that I really believed was going to come to pass. Changed our life. Changed our life. Amen. Because when you say money cometh to me, and notice when. Money comes when? So when you said that, money's coming. Yeah, but how do you know? I said it. I said it. See, that, that, that's the importance of understanding that. Amen. When, uh, when uh, I was working in the corporate world, and, and uh, is this okay if I share some stories with you? And, 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 and we were working, and I used to work with this little, little German guy, Daniel Van Meter, and a uh, little guy, uh, and, and ex-military. And uh, he was constantly talking to me about, he'd say, oh, you know, the word's coming down. They're going to shut us down. And finally, I looked at him one day and I said, Daniel, let me tell you something. As long as I'm here, you'll have a job. Because as long as I need a job, they can't close this place. Amen. Now, now people will say, do you really believe that caused that business to stay open? Yes, I do. Why? Because if you need a job, God, he said in the book of Isaiah, I create the fruit of the lips. I create the fruit of the lips. Remember uh, uh, in, in Proverbs talking about words, it, it, it talks about uh, uh, how uh, 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 your words, whether they're right or wrong or negative or positive, you'll eat the fruit of it. So if you're constantly declaring failure and you're declaring uh, uh, losing and you're declaring hard times, you're, you're going to get a tree of hard times. You're going to get a tree of losing, a tree of sickness, a tree of fear, whatever it is, and all of that's bitter. But if you're saying, I'm blessed, I'm healed, I'm thriving, I'm flourishing in the name of Jesus, right? God creates the fruit of your lips. And, and, and if, if he's got to create a job to bless you, 
if, he, if he's got to make a reason for them to need you. Amen. Hallelujah. I, a man I trust very greatly, he said one time, he said, God will create a need just so he can meet it. Amen. I've seen him do that in the ministry. He'll have you step out and do something that just looks impossible so he can show up and meet the need. But he needs somebody to act. He needs somebody to declare it. For, for instance, when, when you say money comes to me now, right? It's coming. When you begin to declare your status, your financial status, and, and it should be more than just getting by, right? Lord, 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 just, you know, help me get by, Lord. I don't need much. Well, see, that's what you're going to get, not much, because he creates. See, <laughs> the authority you possess is so strong that it's going to bring to you what you're asking for. And if you limit the working of your authority to not much or just enough, your authority will work it will work to the utmost of its ability to bring you not much or just enough. Right? I shudder when I hear people say, well, I'm on a fixed income. I know what just fixed it. Your words. See, because that's it. If, if, if a person is retired and they're receiving Social Security benefits or whatever it is, praise God, that's what it's there for. Thank you, Jesus. But don't limit yourself to that. Amen. God told John Osteen one time, he said, I got, he said, if you put a basket at the top of the ceiling in your church and told people the only time they could give was between 12 and 1 in the morning. He said, I would have people that would get out of bed and come fill that basket. God's got, you know, God's got a million ways to get you whatever you need. Probably more. Amen. And all you've got to do is say it. When you're tempted to say my income's fixed or it's not enough, you got to flip that. I don't have a fixed income. My heart is fixed in God. God is the total source of my supply. And then you declare it. Money, you come to me now. Amen. You come to me now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Why? Because my authority is working. And I tell one to go. I tell poverty, go. Abundance, come. Right? Not enough, leave. More than enough, show up. I summons you. Amen. If you've ever been called to a court case, they summons you. Right? And we don't like to see summons coming. Amen. But they summons you. When uh, in, in, in the book of Hebrews, it says this. It says, it talks about the great recompense of our reward, not to cast away our confidence, that has great recompense of reward. That word recompense of reward in the Greek, it's mythsa, M-I-T-H-S-A, mythsa, pedosa. And, and, and it's, it's where we get our word podiatrist, feet doctor. Here's what that means, great recompense of reward. It means this, money has feet and it's running to you. 
Amen. Yeah, but no, no, no. Money is on feet and it's running my way. Why? Because I say so. Now, see, religion will think you're arrogant. Uh, he thinks he can have whatever he says. I do. I have whatever I say. And what they don't understand is they're having everything they're saying. Amen. Now, maybe elementary, but remember, Eve and Adam lost perfection because they listened to the wrong words. Hezekiah could have been defeated and destroyed, but he refused to listen to the wrong words. Your victory or your defeat is determined by the words you speak. And, and here's why. Because if you're speaking words of defeat, your authority is bringing that defeat to you. The devil doesn't have to defeat you. You're defeating yourself. Right? When, when, when David went to meet Goliath, and you've heard this, but it's so important. When, when he went to meet Goliath, you know, none of them boys were really spoiling for a fight. Even the Philistines, they were standing on the other hill. They let Goliath go down and do all their talking. And the Israelites were on the other hill. Nobody wanted to fight him. They wanted a one-on-one -on -one fight. Hallelujah. And David showed up. And you know the story. David showed up. And, and he's just bringing food. And he starts hearing what to hear. Words. Words. And, and I like what he did. He, he went up to one of the guys there and he goes, uh, <clears throat> what do you get if you kill him? <laughs> now, what, now that's the Philip Steele version, but, right? That's what the scripture says. It, the King James says, what shall be done to the man that shuts him up? Right? Yes, sir. And, and you know the story, well, uh, 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 no taxes, house be made free in Israel, and you get to marry the king's daughter. What a babe. Now, it doesn't say that in the Bible. But anyway, so he goes to another guy and he goes, now, tell me again, what's going to happen? Right? Yes, sir. And they told him. So then he goes to Saul. And notice what he says. Don't let any man's heart fail him because of this Philistine. Your servant will go fight him. But here comes words. You can't fight him. You're just a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. So evidently he was known. But watch, David did not let him have the last word. He said, let me tell you something. He said, a bear came, and I killed him. And he said, then a lion came and took a lamb. And I chased him down and smote him with a club. And when he rose up against me, what? The lion is rising up against him. He said, I grabbed him by the beard. You know how close you got to be to somebody to grab him by the beard? David grabbed a lion by the beard and killed him. And then he said, I'm, I hope you're seeing what I'm saying. Then he said, this Philistine will be like one of them. 
That's how it's going to be. Because I'm saying it. Amen. Ever how big he was? I don't know how big David was. Goliath was, was depending on what you think a cubit was, he was nine and a half to 13 feet tall. Big guy. Evidently a very skilled warrior. But David goes out there and he picks up five smooth stones. Amen. And he had a lethal weapon. That sling was a lethal weapon. You read over and over in the Bible. There were whole troops in the army of Israel that was uh, carried slings. And, and it said they could kill a man at a hair's breath. 200 yards. But he goes out there and notice. He wasn't just dependent on the sling. He got in that valley. And Goliath started saying. Do Am I a dog that they send a child out after me with sticks and stones? And in the Hebrew it says that David said, well, that's what you're saying. And he said, come, come to me, come to me. Now watch, the enemy loves to talk. Come to me and I'll feed your bones to the birds of the air. Right? Hang on. David said, you come to me with a sword and a shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. And he said, and furthermore, today, today, I'm going to kill you. And then I'm going to cut your head off. Wow. Do you hear that? So that everyone will know there's a God in Israel. And I can just see him. He, he's about to take a step back and he goes, and wait a minute. Then I'm coming after all y'all. Uh, everybody's going to get it today. I'm, I'm going to take the big boy down and then I'm coming after everybody on that hill. You better get ready because I'm coming. Amen. And then it says, he ran to the battle. When you're sure of your authority and you're sure of what you said, you hasten to get things done. Amen. He slung that stone, knocked that giant down, and the Bible's very plain to tell us, but he didn't have a sword. So he went up and took Goliath's sword and cut his head off with his own sword. And then held that head up. See, I said... I told you. And, and he turned around and held it up to Israel. Man, they went crazy. And came running down that hill. And David ran toward the Philistines holding that giant's head in his hand. And it says he chased them all the way back to Gath. Do you know where Goliath was from? He was from Gath. David ran through the city streets of Goliath's hometown holding the boy's head and he said, look, it happened just like I said it was going to happen. Amen. Do, do you see that? The giant talks. Don't ever run at your giant with your mouth closed. Amen. You run at him talking because it's your authority. Something about what David said, disarm that giant. 
He wasn't used to being talked to that way. I hear what you're saying. I'm going to kill you today. Think about that. Well, what do you do with somebody that's that confident in their authority? Me go under? Oh, it's impossible. Nope. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And it happened just like he said. Right? Because he understood authority. This man in Matthew 8 knew that his words were carriers of authority. And he knew if his words carried his authority, Jesus' words carried his authority. And your words carry your authority. Amen. Your words carry your authority. And that's why over and over again the Bible says, don't say this, say this. Don't say it's hard. God told Isaiah, he said, no, don't, don't call hard what they call hard. Why? You don't want to give your authority to that. There are people that are struggling with things that you're not struggling with because you're declaring you're not going to struggle with them. Am I helping you? Hmm. Notice in Luke 4, glory to God. Can you imagine what those people thought when David come running into that city with that man's head in his hands? They lost it. Their, their heart had to leave them. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, faith and, and your faith and your authority takes the heart of your enemy. Nothing he can do. When, when, in Hebrews 11, we're not going to take the time to go there, but Hebrews 11 uh, talks about by faith, the children of Israel can pass the, 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 the walls of Jericho and they march around once a day for six days and then the seventh day they march seven times. But if you read that in the book of Joshua, when they sent the spies into the city and they hid in Rahab's house, Remember what she said? She said, the moment we heard that you all had crossed the Jordan, our courage left us. See, you see movies uh, of, the, of the people in Jericho jeering and, and running their mouth. No, they weren't. They were scared. And then the two spies went and hid themselves for a little while in the hills. And then they came back. You know, remember what they said to Joshua? Ah, don't worry about it. Their heart's gone. Their courage is left. It was, just, it was just a matter of time. Faith takes the courage of your enemy. When you operate in faith and you declare words of faith, backed by your authority, it takes the courage of the enemy. He does not know what to do with faith. He, can't, he cannot stand against faith because he is a totally flesh-motivated devil. When you start talking to him and dealing with him in faith, it puts him on tilt. Because he's trying to get you to be moved by what you see and moved by what you feel and moved by what you're experiencing. And you're declaring, I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm only moved by what I believe and I believe God's word. He doesn't know what to do with that. Amen. And, and so he just tries to keep talking. Amen. But every time he opens his mouth, just take the sword of the word of God and jam it in his mouth. 
This is how it's going to be. This is the direction it's going to go. This is how it's going to end up. And here's how it ends up. I win. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I was teaching along these lines, another lines one time, and a, guy, and a guy just could not stand it. He just could not stand that I was talking about how we had the victory all the time. Your words are enforcing your victory. They're enforcing your victory or depleting it. Amen. Well, I just don't understand. I don't understand why I feel this way. And I don't understand why nothing's going right. I do. I do understand. Because I'm authorizing that to come into my life. Amen. Poverty is not authorized to operate in your life. Sickness is not authorized to operate in your life. Fear is not authorized to operate in your life. Amen. I preached years ago, over 10 years ago, and, and I made this statement under the unction of the Holy Ghost. I will never be afraid another day in my life. Amen. And I've had people, I've had people look at me and say, well, everybody's afraid of something. I said, well, you met the first person that's not. I refuse to be afraid. The enemy may try to make you fear. Don't you authorize it with your words. Amen. You are not authorized to operate in my life. Amen. Am I helping you? Yes, sir. Uh, Luke 4 and verse 32. Whoo, glory. It says these people came to Jesus and they were astonished at his doctrine for his word was with authority. Mm. And in the synagogue there was a man that had the spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice saying, Let us alone. What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Are you, are you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him and said, Hold your peace and come out. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of it and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, what, word, what a word is this? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. Now that's important because he commands them and they come out. Glory. Well, he said in the book of Mark, he said to go and cast out devils. Amen. Well, how do you cast out a devil? With your word. You tell it to go. What happens? It goes. Got to, because you told it to, right? When, when you go to your job in the morning, you should look at your hands and say, okay, hands, everything you do today prospers. Amen. That, that will alleviate a lot of mistakes, a lot of failures that other people have. Everything my hands do prosper. Remember David wrote in the book of Psalms, he said, I, I glorify you because it's you. You taught my hands to war. You taught my hands to war. When you speak the blessing over your hands and you say, everything I touch today prospers. Everything I do today prospers. I don't make mistakes like everybody else makes. I don't have the errors and the failures that everybody else has. I have the mind of Christ. I have the ability to hear from God directly in my spirit. And I will have an error-free day in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Why is that important? Those words 
are meeting you at your job. Amen. And you won't have any cloudy-headed Monday, troubled Tuesday, wacky Wednesday, terrible Thursday, freaky Friday. Right? That, that used to amaze me when I was in the corporate world. People drag in Monday. How you doing, man? Oh, pretty good for a Monday. Blue Monday. Oh, I hate Blue Monday. But man, about Wednesday, they were getting some pep back. You doing all right? Oh, yeah, hump day. Hump day. It's all downhill from here. Do you know it can be downhill all the time? If you're running, and I don't know if you run, but if you run any distance, there's a trick. I'll help you if you ever want to run. If you ever, even going uphill, if you look at your feet just a little ahead of your feet, it'll create an optical illusion and it'll look like you're running downhill. Doesn't take the effort away, but it looks that way anyway. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. It's, it's, it's all how you think about it. But what's coming out of your mouth is evidence of what you're thinking. Oh, it's hump day. Everything's getting better. It's going downhill. And Friday, they're just, <laughs> hallelujah. Well, I don't know if they say hallelujah, but, right? And boy, they're that way. Uh, Friday, they're that way Saturday, and they're that way most of Sunday. But then by Sunday, about 6 o'clock, they start thinking, i got to go back to work tomorrow. Oh, it's back. And, and they use words like this, back to the grind. Back to the slave ship. Right? Back to the bell tower. Or whatever it is. And isn't it funny, then they get to work and they grind. I used to know a guy, he was always talking about, got to keep your nose to the grindstone. It's a wonder he had any nose left. <laughs> no. This is important because notice what a word is this. With authority, he commands the unclean spirits to leave and they leave. Right? Verse 38. And he rose out of the synagogue, entered into Simon's house. Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever. Now notice something. Verse 35, Jesus rebuked that devil. Verse 39, he stood over her and rebuked the fever. He rebuked the devil, and the devil left. He rebuked the fever, and look, and it left her. So devil... Fever, poverty, problem. You tell it to go, it goes. Well, I've been declaring and nothing's changed. That, that's the problem right there. You, you, you're taking your authority and canceling out your authority. Only you can cancel out your own authority. It, it doesn't matter who it is. If I'm believing in here for a certain thing, if I'm saying I'm blessed going in and coming out, everything my hands touch is blessed, I'm out of debt, my needs are met, I got plenty more to put in store. If I'm declaring that, if I'm saying that, it doesn't matter if you say I'm broke and not making it, I say I'm not. Amen. Right? Because I'm the prophet of my life. Amen. 
So notice, he did this with his word. And, and I'll give you some clarity as if you didn't know, but word is something said. If you're a quiet believer, you're at risk. Because the enemy looks for quiet people. Hmm. And you know people that worry a lot are quiet. Because they're internalizing everything. Worry is just meditation on the wrong thing. And what it does is there's no outlet. And, and then once it, 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 it begins to boil over, then they start talking about what they're worried about, and now they have authorized what they're worried about to show up. That's why the Bible says when something comes into your life, a thought, you got to cast it down. You can't cast it down thinking you got to say something to cast something down. Because if you don't, you'll internalize it. Hmm. So if you're quiet, you're at risk. Jesus stood over Peter's mother-in-law and it left her. The Message Bible says, I like this, He left the meeting place and went to Simon's house. Simon's mother-in-law was running a high fever and they asked him to do something for her. He stood over her, told the fever to leave and it left. Look, he told it to leave and it left. Say this out loud. It will go. The way I say it will go. That's it. How do you know everything's going your way? Because I said so. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like everything's going my way. Feelings are overrated. If they sold feelings in a box, there would be a parental advisory on them. Warning, may cause faith failure, right? They, they, right? Now, why is that so important? Because my feeling, feelings are always the voice of reason and the voice of the, the flesh. Amen. Feelings. Feelings and emotions are not necessarily the same thing. It, 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 emotions can be a good thing, all right, if you don't let them rule you. But feelings, feelings are always from outside, right? Think, think about it. Everyone in here has an optimal temperature that you enjoy. Some, how many, how many warm weather people we got? How many cool weather people we got? You like the cooler temperatures, right? That's the optimal temperature for you. I bet, I, right? Amen. If, if, if you go in my house, I promise you, it's not going to be hot. Promise. Amen. What's that? Yeah. Now, I like warm weather. I just don't like a warm house. But I like warm weather. That's optimal for me. So when, when you get up in the morning or in the afternoon and it's the optimal temperature, you say, oh, boy, this feels good. I like this. But then that same person, it can be to the extreme of what they don't like. Oh, I hate this warm weather. Oh, I hate this cold weather. You're authorizing frustration because of the weather. 
See, it's how I feel. It's a good day if it's a hundred or ten. But it's how I feel. What's the difference between a day when I have some challenges or a day when I have no challenges? How I feel. Right? It's not based on how I feel. Feelings are overrated. But, but, if, but if I could just feel better, if I could just feel, if the pressure just, if I just, just didn't feel the pressure, everything would be okay. No, it wouldn't. Because an alleviation of the pressure is not going to change the circumstance. You hear what I'm saying? You change the circumstance with your authority. Amen. Because what will happen is, for instance, somebody, somebody will uh, have something against somebody and they just want to tell them off. They just want to tell them. They just, they just want to tell them, right? And, and, and it's just it's boiling on the inside of them. And, and finally they'll go up to that person and say, look, I've had about enough of you. I'm going to let you know. And, and I'm going to talk to you like the Bible says. I'm going to speak to you in love. Right? Blah! And then the, what do they say? Whew, feels good to get that off my chest. But nothing changed. Matter of fact, it got worse. Right? And that's why people say, well, I just can't, I can't, I can't help how I feel. Oh, my brother, sister, the Bible says you can. Your words can moderate how you feel. I will feel the way I say I'm going to feel. What, what's the Bible say? What time I am afraid I will put my trust in God. Notice he's saying that. David said, though a host shall encamp against me, I will lay me down and I will sleep and I will awaken because the Lord will sustain me. He said that, by the way, when Saul was chasing him down and trying to kill him. He said, if I look out there and I see Saul and all his army, I'm going to lay me down and I'm going to sleep and I'll get up in the morning because even through all this, the Lord's going to sustain me. See, that's, that's not just something he said in a fit of emotion. He was declaring that. He was declaring the end from the beginning. I don't care what's happening. I'm going to lay down and I'm going to sleep good and I'm going to wake up in the morning because God's taking care of me. Amen? Hallelujah. Let me, uh, let, 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 let me share a couple other things with you. Matthew 18. I'm helping you tonight. It's, it's, it's my authority. That, that's so important. For instance, when you teach a child to respond to what you say, you're teaching that child to respond to your authority. The authority that's in me as, their, as your parent. If I can teach a child to respond to what I say, there's a lot less corporal punishment. There's a lot less uh, other things that go into it, although that's necessary now. Amen? 
But if a child won't respond to what you say, that other avenue of punishment and discipline is a lot less effective because they don't care about what you say. Amen. If, if a child is not trained to recognize the authority in their parents' voice, they'll have a hard time recognizing the authority in God's voice. And they have to know what? That no means no. Don't do it. And you do it because you recognize the authority. It's so important. Amen. In Matthew 18, 19, Jesus says, notice, well, let's start in verse 18. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You bind and loose with words. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What is heaven? The seat of our authority, the origination of our authority. Amen. One translation, the message I believe says, a no on earth is a no in heaven. Then he said, notice, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in, he in, in, in heaven. So it's this, it's this lesson on the authority of our words. If I loose it, it's loosed. If I bind it, it's bound. Now let that sink in. Do you have faith in your authority? Yes, I do. Okay, if you bound it, then it's bound. Amen. Yeah, but that fear keeps trying to crop up or that, that sickness or that feeling or that poverty or whatever, bind it. Well, it can't be that easy. Oh, poor old Jesus didn't know that. He said, whatever you bind will be bound and whatever you loose will be loosed. Right? Does that make sense? And so, if I bind it, it's bound. No, that can't. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Is that what it says? So I bind that, it cannot work against me. And, and I loose whatever else it may be, and it's functioning for me right now. Hallelujah. He said, again, verse 19, I say to you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So notice what he said. If you agree on earth, touching anything, it's the power of agreement. How do you agree with words? Notice what he said. Touching anything. They shall ask, it will be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Wow. You know, I look at that and I think, that what a guarantee. That's a guarantee. That, there, there, there is no maybe so, hope so, might happen in that verse. Jesus, the Master, our Lord, our Savior, He said if two of us would agree on the earth as touching anything, our Father would do it. Right? But I have to believe that when I'm agreeing with you that my authority is going into operation and the Father's going to do what we're agreeing on. 
Let, let me share one last verse with you. Matthew 16. Maybe. I might have one more after this, but let's see. That's why I always say, nobody can tell me how to feel. Because I feel the way I say I feel. That's important. Because, because it's what I say. Amen. No, you never want to let anybody or circumstances define for you how you're going to perceive things. Words transmit images. Amen. And, and when you talk about your home and you say, this is the house of peace. This is the house of joy. Right? Amen. Glory to God. This is a house where love and joy reign. This is a house where Jesus is Lord. Amen. Then, then you have set the atmosphere with your words. In uh, Matthew 16 and 19, notice. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So who has the keys? I have the keys. What are the keys? My words. I unlock things with my words and I lock things with my words. Right? And so when you say something negative, you just unlock that to operate in your life. When you say something positive or word-based, you just, you just solidified that. You just authorized it to operate in your life. So important. Hallelujah. And, and that's why people will say, Pastor, how's it going? Everything's going my way. Everything is going my way. Well, how can you say that? Because it is. I'm undefeatable. I can't be beat. I cannot be defeated. Amen. I am what they call indefatigable. You can't wear me out. You can't fatigue me. You can't stop me. I'm not being arrogant. I'm not being uh, 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 prideful. That's what you've got to be saying. The Bible says, listen, Scripture says in the book of Amos, if you get wore out running with the footmen, how are you ever going to run with the horses? If the enemy can wear you out with something small, how are you ever going to accomplish anything big? Amen. I just feel wore out. Well, what has wore you out? Your words have wore you out. Matthew, uh, Malachi 3 says, your words are stout against me. Your words have bound me up. Amen. No, the, the, the Bible says that I'll run like the swift deer, that I'll be like the heart that jumps on the mountains. You can't wear me out. Amen. You ever watch that nature show and they'll show that gazelle that's real healthy and the lion or the cheetah's running after it and that gazelle's kicking up its legs and jumping. He's letting that predator know, you can't catch me. I'm too healthy. I'm too strong. I'm too alive. Amen. And that's how you're doing with the devil. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah? Uh, well, yeah, yeah? Right? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, I'm going to get you. What'd you say? Oh, hallelujah. I, I, I know that's humorous, but think about that for a moment. Amen. 
we don't, I'll close with this, we don't receive whatever God said. We receive whatever we say. That's important. Because we don't get what God said until we say what God said. And God is always limited in the lives of those who don't understand how to operate in the authority they've been given. That's what limits God. Is operating in the authority God gave them. Glory to God. Does that make sense? And uh, when you take off the limits of, of what you're believing and, and, and you look beyond it, because the enemy will always get you focused, present, right now, whatever, whatever season that it may be in, right? But when you take off the limits, you're able to see. The greatest thing that ever happened to me was taking those limits off my mind and saying, I'm going to think as big as God wants me to think. And then however big the picture is, I'm going to work to bring my faith up to that level. Yeah, but I'm believing for this. You know how much it costs? I know exactly how much it costs. It costs faith. That's all it costs. If, if you're believing God for something for hundreds of thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars, it just costs faith. And if you've got $500 faith, you can build it to $5,000 faith or $50,000 faith. Pastor Caldwell was in a meeting one time, and uh, uh, actually it was Fred Price was preaching, and the night before the pastor had asked for help with their building, they're building a new building, and uh, he said, you know, uh, uh, how many would pledge $1,000 or you'd sow $1,000? And pastor said, I wanted to give $1,000, but I didn't have $1,000. And he said, it made me mad that I didn't have $1,000. Well, anyway, the next night, Fred Price was preaching, and he said, uh, 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 there were some of you that wanted to give last night, and you, 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 you weren't able to give. And he said, I can tell you why you didn't give. You didn't have the faith to believe God for the money. And he said, well, that didn't help me. He said, so I went to the Lord, and he said, Lord, that kind of made me mad. Fred was right, but it kind of made me mad. He said, so what do I do about that? And the Lord said, well, how much can you believe me for? He said, I can believe you for $100 coming and going. And the Lord said, it's simple, son. Just believe me for $100 ten times. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And he said, I did, and I paid my pledge. So I learned from things like that. Because I can build my faith. I know God has a turnkey building for us. Because, number one, he's told us, and we're saying it. And I'm building my faith for it. And I'm telling you, it's so easy. It's going to be so easy to just walk into that building. Debt free. Paid for. Turnkey. Amen. I, I've said it. That's how it's going to be. Amen. And we'll just build our faith. Don't get put off by when you say something and it seems like it didn't happen overnight. There's no scripture in here that says it's going to happen overnight. It says it'll happen. And the more you build your faith, the quicker you can get it to turn. But I'll, I'll leave you with this. There's something, I don't know what it is, but I'm saying everybody in here in the sound of my voice, there's something you can start working this on tonight before you go to bed. And you got to take this tool that we've given tonight and put it in your spiritual faith box 
And whenever you, you, when you get home tonight, don't wait. Start using it. Amen. Whatever it may be. If, 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 if it's an issue you're dealing with, something you need in your life, start using it right away. Because it's coming. Because you're exercising your authority. Glory be to God. Amen. Isn't that great? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the word tonight. Thank you for the power of the word tonight. Thank you for the incorruptible nature of the word. The unchanging power that's in the word. The seed of the word of God. And Father, what you have declared to us, we will declare. And what you have said is what we will say. And Father, I declare that we shall see everything that you promised us. It will all come to pass. Without fail. Yes, Lord, I'll say that. I command those things to hasten. To speed up. Speed their trajectory towards these people. Come quicker than they think. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God.